Now let me get a, give a plug here to begin. Um, as this time of the year, and, and you know that if you come in right about 8.15, we're kind of having to, to scramble to find chairs and enough space for everybody, which is a wonderful problem. Glad to have that problem or challenge. But I do want to remind you, I think Kimla will agree, we can always find room for some people up here on the stage. Um, not a lot, though. Um, I, I was, as, as I turned, as we were blessing the, uh, the, the offering, I'm, I realize you guys have an opportunity. A few of you join the choir, we'll find out exactly how well I can do with very, very limited space up here. Um, because we've already kept the extender out to free me up, but, you know, one more row... And I'm going to be preaching on the front row. I'm going to be on Joy's lap. That's right. So, um, which I'd love to see how we navigate that. That would be, like I said, a, a wonderful, um, there, are, there are what we call wonderful problems, you know, and I, really problem isn't the right word, but that's certainly one of them. Challenges. challenges. Yes, that's a better word. Wonderful challenges. Now, we're going to talk about another challenge that many of us face in our lives and, and in faith, and we're going to get to that in a few moments. But before we do, I want to read from you from um, Joshua chapter 5. This is the point in the journey of the Hebrew children when they are preparing to take hold of the promised land, of the land that God had, had given to them through their ancestor Abraham and kind of the culmination of a journey, and we'll talk about that in, in just a few moments. We're going to begin Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites." Let me pause for a moment. Remember that miracle. It was very, very similar to what we saw when the Israelites or the Hebrew children left Egypt, that God stops the water in this miraculous crossing of the, of the Jordan River in this case and, and this preparation and this, this miracle of God had caused um, dread in the hearts of, of those who were in the land that had already been promised to the, to the Hebrew children. So I'm picking up at verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the, the Israelites at Gebeth Araloth. Now this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had swore to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And I want you to hear that phrase. Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. 
So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after. They ate the food from the land. They, there were no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, speak. Through your word, through these words, we pray and I pray that they are from you and that they would be for us as we grow in faith and hear your word. In Christ Jesus, amen. Inevitably, in conversations that I'll have, sometimes with some of you, sometimes in my own conversations, uh, there will be a, a lament that will occasionally surface. And the lament is something like this. My memory just isn't as good as it used to be. <laughs> and your last tell it all. The things that we don't recall, the names, the faces, the experience, the stories, and, and I will sometimes say, you know, we'll, we'll kind of lament my own poor memory, and inevitably you all will tell me, oh, just wait, it gets worse. And, um, and because, because memory is, is something that in many ways um, we value, and that is important to us. It reminds me of, of, there was a Peanuts cartoon years ago in which Charlie Brown exclaims, he's talking to Linus, and he says, my grandfather has memorized or knows the words to over a hundred hymns. And Linus says, oh, really, does your grandfather sing in the choir? And Charlie Brands goes, no, he can't remember where the church is at. <laughs> okay? Now, here's the thing. There's truth in that. There's absolute truth in that. As I thought about this as we sang Amazing Grace this morning. I remember leading worship services from time to time at a nursing home when I was in, in Largo. And many of those who would come down to worship were, were patients there, or not patients, they were residents there, um, who, were, who were suffering from uh, some of the, the mental um, loss that happens in age, dementia, and sometimes early Alzheimer's and things. A lot of times they wouldn't know, you know who I was or really who anyone else is. But when we sang the hymns, they knew the hymns. They knew the hymns, those stories, those memories were so deeply entrenched. We came in amazing grace. They, they didn't need a hymnal. They didn't need a book. They knew the words because we had so deeply a part of who they are. And those are treasures, and those are things that we, we value and memories we want to hold on to. But here's the problem. Sometimes we need to forget. Sometimes there were things in our lives, there's experience in our lives, there's part of our story that we would do well to forget. Psychologists say that we spend over 50% of our emotional energy trying to suppress painful memories, trying to push back those memories not, not of, of, of hymns and, and good times and celebrations and, and love, but those memories that that haunt us, that we allow to sometimes have too much control over our sense of self-worth, our sense of identity, our sense of value, 
And we need to learn how to forget. That's what Joshua 5 is about. At least forgetting in the sense of of no longer allowing memory in the past to have control over us. The the people of Israel, the, the Hebrew children, have come out of their bondage. Let's backtrack the story in case you're not terribly familiar with it. Forty years prior to this event, Moses had led the Israelites out of slavery. They had been in slavery. They had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. Just think about that, 400 years. Somebody this weekend, I was at a a church conference and and put that into perspective. You know, go back to the, um, you know, the Declaration of Independence, the birth of our nation, and add 150 years to that. That would be the time frame we'd be talking about. 400 years they'd been in bondage. And for 40 years they had wandered. And they've now come to, to Gilgal, which becomes, their, their, they've crossed the Jordan, they're, they're right there at, at Jericho, and they're on the verge of receiving the promise that God had spoken into their people through Abraham. They're on the verge of receiving this land flowing with milk and honey and, and having to, to kind of claim this. And it is there that God communicates they need to forget. They need to let go of memory that had dominated their sense of identity, their sense of who they were. And that happens through the rite of circumcision. This is kind of an obscure text. There are not a lot of sermons preached on Joshua chapter 5. And I know because I looked for them. Um, There's just not. There's not. And partly because, as guys, this this is a squeamish text. This is, this is an uncomfortable, because it's not a pleasant image. These are not babies being circumcised. These are adult men being circumcised, undergoing this rite. It is a, a painful and somewhat probably an embarrassing thing to endure. But the significance of it, it is a stamp of identity. It is God laying claim to them in a new way. What had happened, uh, circumcision, this isn't the introduction of circumcision, but when the Israelites came out of Egypt... The circumcision, the act of circumcision ceased to be. God had, had punished the people, those, as, as it talked in the text, those who had come out, those adults who had been part of the um, exodus out of Egypt would not receive the promise of the land because of their unfaithfulness, because of their disobedience, because they couldn't embrace the freedom God had given them. They couldn't trust yet. They couldn't believe, and so over and over again they grumbled, and if you know the stories, they grumbled and they griped, and they didn't trust the promise of God. And God finally at a point said, enough. You will not receive the promise. Your children will. He didn't cut off the entire people, but there was a consequence to their disobedience. And so this this practice of circumcision, which was really a claiming of an identity, it's what God had instituted through Abraham. It was a sign of a unique covenant between God and his people in the same way baptism is for us, had ceased. But as they're about to come into the promised land, it begins again. And it is God's way of saying you need to let go of an identity that has too long dominated your psyche, your way of thinking, and your sense of worth. You are no longer slave. 
You are no longer wanderer. You are no longer disobedient people. You are chosen. You are mine. You are promised. You are ready to step in to this new understanding of who you are. And so circumcision becomes a way of reminding them of this new identity to free them from this burden of the past. For 400 years, their ancestors had lived in a way that they didn't make a single choice about who they were, when they worked, what they did was dictated to them. And for 40 years, they had wandered because of their disobedience and they were a people without a home. And God says, no longer. No longer is that who you are. That is who you were, but I am giving you a new purpose. I am instituting a new promise into your lives, and circumcision becomes the way that they embrace that and are reminded of that. Here's what I know. Here's what I know as I look out upon your faces is that there are many of you, along with me, that for too long have been identified internally, have carried your sense of self-worth, your sense of value, based on mistakes of your past. And maybe not even your mistakes. Maybe they were things done to you. Maybe it was a time in your life when you were victimized by another. But for too many of us, for too long, we have carried and lived under the burden and the weight of our past, of the things that God desperately wants to deliver us from, those things that no longer need to be the core of our sense of of value and worth, but too long we've carried those scars. And I know that because so often when I have conversations, I will say to people, tell me a little bit about yourself. And this is what I'll hear. Well, I grew up in a broken home. You know, my my parents weren't very loving or very supportive. Or maybe I'll hear, you know... um, you know, I was married, and the marriage didn't work. Um, the, the marriage fell apart. Or you know what? I've, I've got family, but those relationships have been broken. I'll hear story after story of people that will first lead into their explanation of who they are with the burdens that they've carried, the mistakes that they've made. You know what? When I was young, I broke some laws, and, and I did some time in jail. Or, or I did this, or I did that, or I had this happen. You know, because right now, what I probably... What I think is probably happening is you're thinking of your stories. You're thinking about how the way that you would describe your own past. And over and over again, that's what I hear. It's the stories of the brokenness and the hurt and the victimization that we all carry. But what that reminds me, and I'm not saying this judgmentally. I'm not saying this in a condemnation. But what that says is, here's somebody that's carrying that baggage of a past that has too long dictated their understanding of who they are in the present. And and some of you fall into that. And again, please, please hear me. This is not a, a condemnation or a criticism. This isn't me piling guilt on you for that. I understand that. I've done that before too. I have done that before too. Sometimes when people are very kind and overly kind to me and will praise me for something or, or will, will heap um, uh, you know, kind words and things, I will feel I need to counter that by sharing some of my own shortcomings. Because I carry that burden too sometimes. I don't deserve that much credit. I don't deserve that much praise. I don't deserve to be admired like that. Let me tell you why. Let me dump some of my baggage and rain on that, that admiration parade. 
because I carry it too. So, so don't hear me piling the guilt on. But for years, for years, the Israelites were known as slaves, as people in bondage, as wanderers, as disobedient, as unfaithful. And God says, no more, no more. You reclaim your identity. You reclaim your identity. You are chosen. You are chosen. And that is what happens at Gilgal, the hill where the circumcision rite takes place. Was it painful? Sure. Was it humiliating? Maybe. But was it purposeful? Without a doubt. They would remember not who they were, but who they are. Friends, there are a lot of us here today that need to remember who we are. In Christ, what does Paul say in Corinthians? In Christ, you are a new creation. The old has died. The old is no more. You are again. We've got to let go of that. So there's, there's, a, there's a scene in um, um, uh, King Richard in, in um, Richard, uh, Richard III, Shakespeare play, where, where King Richard comes out and he says, in my conscience, there are several, or there are a thousand several tales. I'm sorry, tongues. In my conscience, there are several thousand, or his, Shakespeare messes me up. In my, <laughs> in my conscience, my conscience hath thousand several tongues, and each tongue has several tales, and each tale convicts me as a villain. In my mind, there are several thousand stories, and each story, what he's saying, each story that I recall, each story that I tell, convicts me as a villain because I remember the baggage that I carry. Paul says, in Christ, you are a new creation. You have been given a new identity. We have been given a new identity. And we need to take hold of that. Because too often we're still in bondage to what has been. And I understand some of those memories are painful and difficult and, and life-changing. So it's not easy. But it is essential. Because God repurposes His people. And we're His people. We're his people. And God gives us a new identity. We've talked about that. He claims us. We need to claim that. That's how I started to think about this to begin with. I, I thought about that repurpose. And the way that something that was becomes something new. And I started to look around the house, in our house, and I started to think, what are some examples? Some just kind of lighthearted ways that that gets lived out. And, and I started to think about it. In, in all of our lives nowadays, we, we end up with cards like this that become scrap. These are like gift cards, hotel key cards, you know, the, the things with the magnetic strip that once you've used them, they, they have no more purpose. They're used up, and most of us throw them away. In our house, we don't throw them away. We don't throw them away. We give them to Ryan. And they become these, guitar picks. They become guitar picks. In a, in a pick machine he has at school. And we have hundreds of thousands <laughs> of guitar picks. I'm not kidding. We had, we had a guy come to the church, or come, come to the parsonage a few weeks ago to clean the air condition. They're guitar picks. See, they're little, little guitar picks. I'm sorry, yeah. And, and a guy came to the 
Parsonage a few weeks ago cleaning the, uh, the vent, the dryer vents, you know, that get gunked up. And, and, and he commented, he's like, in a lot of places I find change and money. He's like, but I kept picking these out all over the place. And I was like, yeah, they're guitar picks. But it's something that was created with a very different purpose that becomes something new, becomes, finds new use, new purpose in that. And then I started to think about this. This, this was a couple weeks ago. These are, like I said, just a couple things I grabbed. Um, Tony and I went to the uh, YMCA, the fundraising gala. I got asked to go and do the blessing there. So, so we were there as a River Wilderness Clubhouse. And um, of all the things they were doing to raise money, one of the things is they had all these um, prizes and things out, and you could buy raffle tickets. And uh, you could drop them in buckets in front of certain prizes, and they were going to do a drawing. And so there's a few things that we saw that we liked for the kids. Um, but one of them essentially was, at its core, a cigar box. We thought, for Ryan, that would be cool, because we're very bad parents, and let's give him a cigar box. Um, <laughs> we thought that would be cool. Now, I'm obviously not telling you the entire story of what this thing is. We never win anything, but that's what we wanted, and that's what we won. And let me show you what this is. You've seen these before. It's a cigar box guitar. At its core, it is, and it is fascinating. Ryan was fascinated with it because it works. It plugs in. There's actually a, uh, for an electric car, you can plug this in and amplify it. I don't understand how it works. And there's, there's like a, a screw here that becomes a bridge and a shell casing. But it is full of things that were repurposed. This is not, I don't believe when whoever made cigar boxes was thinking I'm making the base of a guitar. But that's what it's become. Because it was something, but it has become something else in the hand of a master craftsman, a creator. That's what we are. That's what we are. We get repurposed for God's purpose. I'm not telling you that the memories that we carry aren't hard to let go of. But I'm telling you that's what God calls us to do. Not because just... God is a magnanimous God, but because the sins, the mistakes, the failures, the burdens, the brokenness of our lives have been accounted for. You know, when, when the, the Israelites were circumcised, they immediately did something else they hadn't done for 40 years. They celebrated the Passover. The Passover, the lamb that had allowed the angel of death to pass over them. We have a lamb whose blood was shed so that our past doesn't define our future. We have a lamb, the paschal lamb. In fact, John the Baptist says when he sees Jesus on that hill as he's baptizing in the Jordan, what does he say? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Peter says that he has bore our sins. He has bore our sins so that free from sin we may live in righteousness. It's not pines. Jesus took that. And Jesus says, let it go. If I've taken it and I've died for it, why do you, how dare you hold on to it? We need to let go. Because when we recognize not what we were, but who we are, we are freed to live into righteousness. We are freed into our future. Too many of us are spending too much energy, too much energy in trying to suppress memories that we should have let go of long ago. 
we should have let go of long ago because it's not who we were, but it is who we are. And that's a f- identified people forgiven in Christ, free through grace. We need to claim that, brothers and sisters, so that we can move forward. There's a story told of a Filipino girl who became somewhat famous because she claimed to have conversations with Jesus. She claimed on a regular basis, see and talk to Jesus. And so the Catholic officials decided we needed to figure out what was going on. So a cardinal and a monsignor went and they met with her and they heard her stories. And the monsignor finally was exasperated because he didn't know what to do with her. After hours of talking and interviewing, he didn't know what to do with her. He didn't know how to, to interpret the story. So he said, I'm going to give you a test. The next time you talk to Jesus, I want you to ask him what I told him in my last confession. I want you to ask him what I told him in my last confession. And so she goes, okay. And so she goes, and a few days later, a week later, she comes back, and the Monsignor's interviewing her. And he says, did you talk to Jesus? And she said, yeah. And he said, did you ask Jesus what I said in my last confession? And she said, yeah. And he looked at her and said, what did he say? And she said, Jesus looked at me and said, I've forgotten. Think about it. Think about it. That's what Jesus says. I don't remember because I don't hold it against you. Stop holding on to it. Let it go. Let it go. Not easy, but important that we may claim that if Jesus looks at us and says, I've forgotten, who are we to hold on to it? Let it go and receive the identity. You are chosen. You are forgiven. You are repurposed. Allow that truth to wave over you this morning and me as we move into the future God has called us to. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you for your promises. And forgive us because we have such a hard time hearing it. We have such a hard time believing it. We have such a hard time letting go. Lord, I know you're patient with us and we are thankful and I am thankful for that. But help us to let go to not be defined by who we were, but by who we are. And that is your forgiven children. Thank you for that, Lord. And help us to claim that identity in Jesus. We pray in his holy name. Amen.